Hey, Duncan. Hey, Onero. How you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. It's, uh, it's chilly outside. Yeah, man. This uh, climate change thing is real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, shall we get into it? Yeah, man. What's going on in the NBA right now? Well, you know, Adam Silver... Uh, we actually did have some developments happen this past week, and it seems like Adam Silver um, basically provided some updates to the players' unions uh, to sort of give them clarification as to what the uh, forthcoming um, you know, like developments are. Uh, and so it seems like they're pretty much is it's it's not likely that fans are actually going to be able to attend any of the games mm-hmm. for the foreseeable future just because of the current climate of things uh and says and also reported that like because you know 40 percent of the revenue uh like of, of the money that comes from the nba comes from like game nights and stuff like that mm-hmm. um that it looks like, you know, the salary cap <laughs> might actually go down next year. <laughs> Which is a huge development. It, it it really, really is, yeah. yeah. Free agency coming. Yeah. it's That's going to change a lot of people's uh, calculations. And, you know, we could definitely talk about that in a future episode. Because um, I think that has a, a bunch of really interesting potential developments but yeah he basically just wanted to reiterate some things uh with the players uh talked about the two potential sites uh Mm -hmm. where where's that it would be uh, orlando and las vegas which i think those are two good sites get a bunch of people together in vegas i wonder what'll happen (laughs) (laughs) Conversely, get a bunch of people uh, back in Disney World and see what happens. <laughs> so, and, uh, didn't Mark Cuban have something to say about all this too this week? Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. Um, something that happened uh, is something else that was, uh, I guess, brought to Adam Silver's attention and was kind of the impetus for uh, him having this call with the players' union. Uh, is because a lot of players feel like they're being, you know, kind of forced uh, to go back to, like, doing these, like, quote-unquote voluntary workouts with the yeah. teams. Uh, and so he just wanted to, to clear things up. Um, and I think one of the more prominent voices uh, who's been saying, like, you know, we probably shouldn't open, like, there's no indication that, like, this thing is slowing down. And, you know, anybody who's checking up on the news knows that there's more cases now than ever before. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's an interesting time to be talking about reopening. Um, I think it's interesting also in that, like, you know, it is like if the NBA were to ask players and staff to do that, that is a money decision. And much like a lot of our society right now, it would kind of force them into work that maybe they don't feel safe doing. Right. Um, and it's, 
I don't know, especially the question around like testing. I know he brought up the idea of like we can't actually test everyone in the NBA and all the staff. And like, should that even be where our tests go right now in this country since there's such a shortage of them? Yeah, that's absolutely that is absolutely correct. Uh, and I think that's one of the big things the league is going to have to reckon with uh, pretty soon, just because it is going to be a money issue. And, and it, you know, it, it particularly affects the NBA because they were like in the middle of a season. And it, this was already a season that, you know, they lost some projected revenue uh, because of the whole like deal with China <laughs> earlier yeah. in the season. <laughs> And so now this happened. So it's, it's really, it's really interesting. And I've seen some like cool, like some wacky ideas kind of be, be throw around uh, as to how the league could potentially substitute that revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, things range from the introduction of two, you know, expansion teams <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to um, you know, kind of incorporating that uh, mid season tournament that had been talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you do have, I think the NBA, I think is very, the, the good thing about the NBA is that it is a very forward looking league and there, there has to be some sort of opportunity here mm-hmm. for them to like figure out. And they just have to like, you know, as a league, you know, the owners, the, the league office and the players union just have to like come together and figure out something that's going to work for everybody, you know, and, you know, I, I think it's, you know, man, I think it's really, there's a really, really big opportunity here for mm-hmm. them if they can figure it out. Even if it's just like coming back for the playoffs, like they would get, they would just have so many views right now. This mm-hmm. would be, <laughs> this well, would be them. Maybe yeah. they get more League Pass subscriptions. Maybe like season ticket holders get certain amount of like League Pass games they can watch. Just like things like that, I think. Right. Like right, right. Shifting that revenue from being at the stadium to being at home. Yeah. Um, I don't mind overpaying slightly. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind paying a little bit extra if if it means like we can, you know, watch games and stuff. Like I'd be willing to pay something that's, you know, reasonable. Mm-hmm. Like a playoff package deal. I don't know. Yeah, That's, exactly. This is kind of this is kind of weird because then I, I mean it just kind of goes to show you how COVID is going to change the the business dimension of everything and like how we might get used to this and then after whenever this thing is done, um, like I don't think there's any coming back from it. I think this is really going to permanently change the league in a very interesting way. Hopefully, a better. Hopefully, all for the better. I totally agree. And uh, speaking of disasters. Um... Before we get into what we're going to talk about this episode, which we have a lot to get to, I did want to touch on another big headline that you just sent me right before we started this, actually, about uh, your favorite Tyler Hero. Oh, <laughs> my boy. <laughs> With Look at how they massacred my boy. <laughs> one of the worst choices that I think he's made so far in his public life. I know. Yeah, no. I, yeah, I mean, he... You know, Duncan, I'll tell you this. I am not surprised. I kind of like was expecting this. When he started playing well last season, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, this is fantastic. This is great. And I hope this kid stays with the Heat for a long time. 
but he he definitely should receive some no pun intended heat for this decision. <laughs> uh, this like haircut he got is just totally like unacceptable, super, super appropriative and shitty. Yeah, and it, I don't know. I I just don't get it. I, I don't I don't really get it. I I'm like genuinely wondering who the who the hell is this kid's agent? You know, that's like. <laughs> Like you know, help like you know seriously because <laughs> no. if you do something, you know what I mean. Because like, who let him he, do that? Who let him do that? Because <laughs> like, on the one hand, like yes, that's his fault for like ex- doing that shit. Like I think he deserves like ninety percent of the blame. Don't get me wrong, but but like ten percent of the blame also has to you know kind of go. I mean, this is totally relevant to the people you know to the rest of the episode that we're gonna talk about. <laughs> is you know the people you surround yourself with right your team exactly and like i just don't see how his team was like yeah like this this is this is totally fine let's just do this (laughs) i mean i love the kid but he made a big mistake and you know hopefully he learns and grows and yeah i hope he learns and grows from it and he can like take accountability for it but but yeah, but I don't think we really described exactly what he did. But he basically yeah. got cor- cornrows uh, as like a haircut, and like he is—he's like the whitest kid <laughs> in, the, in the NBA. It and I touched on this when we were talking earlier, but it reminded me a lot of a similar situation Jeremy Lin got himself into a few years back, um, and he Jeremy Lin really just got ripped apart. At, believe it was Snoop Dogg came after him saying he was just like an Asian guy trying to be black in American society like what is he doing which has merit but I really hope that Tyler Hero a white man gets even more blowback and (laughs) there's a bit more conversation around it. Duncan we're placing bets right now Um, (laughs) so we can revisit this in a week. But you basically said that he won't get as much blowback as um, he won't get as much blowback <laughs> as Jeremy Lin did, and I'm wagering that he will get more blowback <laughs> than Jeremy and, Lin did, just because there's a lot there's a lot to hate about him. <laughs> I get it, and I, I truly it. hope you're right, my friend. <laughs> I right. just, yeah, I just I see it. But anyways, we can we can revisit this in a week. <laughs> So moving forward, I recommended to you a document docu series I recently watched on ESPN Plus called More Than an Athlete, and it's about LeBron James and the people who he surrounded himself with and kept with him through his public life. Um, highly recommend watching it for anyone out there. It's on ESPN Plus. Um, So today we're going to kind of touch on the people he surrounded himself with, as well as him himself, how he's affected basketball, how he's affected society, how he's affected politics. Um, But to start, I think it's important to mention that LeBron has a very important place in both of our hearts. Um, And Onedo, I think I'll kick it over to you just to talk a bit about that and share some of your favorite highlights from his long and continuing career. Yeah, man. I mean, LeBron is the greatest player of this generation, like hands down, Mm -hmm. hands down, like the most transformative, like athlete that we've seen, uh, 
you know, since Michael Jordan, I, I feel like, you know, like it's, he is in that kind of tier. Um, and it was just like, it was such a privilege to be able to see him play for my hometown team for four <laughs> years and to have gone to four straight NBA finals and to have won two and two of those, you know, like, I feel like it was really just an amazing like ride. And some of these, um, some of these plays, like these are just plays that for whatever reason, just really stick out in my mind. And, and Duncan will, uh, will put the links, will, uh, put the links to these plays on YouTube mm-hmm. on the uh, description for this episode. So y'all could, you know, check it out uh, whenever you, you'd like to, maybe it's, you know, just a fun kind of like uh, walk down memory lane. Um, Cause LeBron <laughs> has so many amazing highlights, but I'm just going to give you my top three um, and kind of tell you why they kind of stick out for me personally. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, we'll talk about the, the docu-series more than an athlete, which is, yeah, thank you so much for like putting me on that because like it really was an amazing experience. But anyways, um, yeah, we my first uh, highlight, and we can kind of go back and forth. Like I'll do one, you do one. That sounds um, good. So my first uh, highlight is the dunk over John Lucas the <laughs> third. <laughs> so most many NBA fans probably, well, many NBA fans. Uh, who've been watching the game for a while, like, will know this name, John Lucas III. For uh, one reason. <laughs> for one reason and one reason only. <laughs> LeBron. Uh, it was, this, this was a regular season type game. This, was, this happened in, like, the middle of the season. And I believe this happened in, I could be wrong, but I think this happened in the 2012 or 2013 season. Either one. This is, like, you know, peak Miami Heat LeBron. And he just jumps like I forgot who sent him the lob, but like I think it was either D Wade or Mario Chalmers. Uh, and he just sends him this lob from like, you know, from like across the uh, from like the three point line or just like right at, right after the three point line. And like LeBron just catches it in the air and then jumps over John Lucas the third. <laughs> Mind you, John Lucas the third is not very tall. He's like five eleven. Yeah. Like five eleven, maybe six feet on a good day. But he was made to look four feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> but he looked oh my goodness, man. He just looked silly, man. Silly. <laughs> Woo. Um Saw that play live, by the way. <laughs> oh, I think dope. we all did. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was <laughs> that shit was dope. It was an ESPN game on. Um, yeah, it was a primetime game on ESPN. Bulls versus Heat. I remember at, it very well. At home, yeah. Back when Bulls Heat was like, whew, exciting stuff to watch. Um, yeah, man, they really didn't fuck with each other. <laughs> <laughs> if we're starting with dunks, I think I gotta go. I mean, obviously, there's so many, so many ducks to talk about with this guy, but my all-time favorite, and I'm a real sucker for a good like line to go with it, like giving it a story. And I'll give the line before I give the dunk. Um, LeBron dunks, and right after, the commentator says, LeBron James with no regard for human life 
<laughs> thus sparking a Reddit conversation about whether Kevin Garnett should be renamed Human Life. <laughs> but this was a dunk on Kevin Garnett in the 2008 playoffs. Um, and I respect Kevin Garnett. I love Kevin Garnett. But LeBron really just like shat on his life. And it was so fun to watch, especially when back this was back when the Cavs for those kids out there before uh, LeBron came home. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Man, and it was kind of towards the tail end of his Cavs tenure for the first time. And you could see it coming a bit. And it really just gave a lot of a lot of good feeling. For any Cavs fans out there. 2008 also was like, that's when everybody was like, I don't know if it was 2008 or 2009, but that's when like everybody was like hoping for a LeBron Kobe like finals. Yeah. You know, like that was the, the unrealized dream of kind of like the late 2000s. Yeah. All for not. <laughs> <laughs> And we have Dwight Howard in the Orlando Magic. <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> All right. Number two, Onato. Let's go. All right. Number two. Number two is, you know, uh, this play is significant for me because it was a – this happened during the first year, actually, that LeBron was with the Heat. And so this is like that first year where, you know, we were, you know, the fucking evil empire of the NBA and everybody hated us. And it was uh, tremendous. Uh, <laughs> it was <laughs> such an experience just to go into every game. And then it was funny because, like, every team was just playing as hard as – like, every team that we played was just giving us their all. And there was this one game. It was against New Orleans, mm-hmm. uh, if I remember correctly. And it was closer, honestly, than it should have been. But LeBron – it was kind of closer to the end of the game. And LeBron just makes this really like clutch ass shot where he he's like, you know, the shot clock is running down and he's kind of on the side of the the right hand side of the hoop. And he just is like turning. He does kind of a spin. And as he's spinning and shooting, he's kind of like going out of bounds at the baseline at the baseline. And he shoots from what like appears to be like behind the board like behind the like the backboard and just sinks this beautiful <laughs> rainbow shot and it was that honestly it's just one of the most amazing shots i've ever seen like a like basketball player make and it's always like stuck in my mind yeah that's that was definitely a good one and my next one is going to and i don't want to get too heavy into this but the 2018 playoffs, I think, was the best until the finals. We don't have to talk about that. <laughs> but I think that was the best playoff performance I've ever seen by anybody until J.R. Smith didn't see the clock, whatever. Um, but really, it was just LeBron. Just no. This was post-Kyrie on the Cavs. This was obviously a weak Kevin Love. Tristan Thompson was... Tristan Thompson LeBron was this team and he carried them and it was game three against the Raptors which always love seeing LeBron shit on the Raptors life (laughs) Um, and it was a tie game you know 
obviously everyone knew who was going to take the ball down the court. It was LeBron and he, everyone knew what was happening. The Raptors, I guess, did everything they could to stop him, but he just drilled a floater to win the game, hops up on the, on the media table, does his King James thump. Everyone is yelling down on him. It was one of the most just like epic things I've ever seen. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Yeah, that was a great playoff run for LeBron. Like, honestly, only hindered by the fact that, you know, he had to face the, the <laughs> Warriors. Like, I mean, a full, a full powered Warriors. With team. Kevin Durant and, oh my God. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, that, that's a conversation for another day. My last, so my last, um, my third and final highlight that I wanted to talk about was the block on Tiago Splinter. Uh, in the 2013 final, Spitter, <laughs> Tiago Splinter, man. <laughs> First of all, great name. <laughs> Second of all, like this is the block. I mean, truly, like before LeBron's block on Andre Iguodala, this was like his most famous just block. <laughs> famous block. I mean, dude, like you could hear it. If you see the highlight, I was watching it last night, and you can just hear it. And mind you, Tiago Splinter is like six, anywhere between six eleven, seven feet. And he's, you know, a, he's not, he's a big he's, man. <laughs> he's a big man. And he's like, you know, he got this great pass by, he's given this great pass on the, uh, on the free throw to the, on the free throw line to, um, by, by Tony Parker. And he's just, and this is the final game two of the finals, 2013. Mm-hmm. And the heat are like up by like 16 or something like that. Uh, and Thiago Splinter just like goes hard into the pit. Like he was really trying to like dunk it, you know, trying to make a statement. Like one of these dunks that like, you know, brings your team Change back. the game. Yeah. Yeah. And like LeBron's like denied. <laughs> he De- said no. <laughs> he said no, not today. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, and my, my last one, is I mean I had to just give a nod to LeBron on the Heat, but this when I think of LeBron's just like out of this world court vision and ability to just like seemingly know how and when to make the right play while everyone else is just doing something else, um, was against the Knicks, <laughs> um, and he fights to get the offensive board, gets it collects himself, and without even looking, I don't know how he knew he was there, just tosses it over his head, no look, to Eric Dampier. And it was just, it's just like one of the craziest sequences events that I can think of, and just kind of lends to his passing ability and his ability to just like play on another level than anyone else. (laughs) I love... <laughs> I love that play. <laughs> I love that play. It's it's just such a it's such a good play, you know? It, it's he he just his vision, man. Yeah. His, and we could his, yeah. We could talk for days about how good a passer he is, but like I think his game just speaks for itself and I don't know, man, like <laughs> it's just incredible. So, Duncan, I'm I'm really curious um kind of as we transition into talking about more than an athlete, how did you first come across this series? 
Um, so, I mean, to give a little context, I'm, I've talked before, I'm a Knicks fan, but my family is from Akron in the Akron area. Um, and my grandpa, it's one of the biggest things we bonded over is whenever I go out there to see him, we'll like catch whatever Cavs game is on. And even when the Cavs were shitty, he was still watching them and we would watch together. And, but he always just deeply, deeply loved LeBron. And I didn't understand it for such a long time. Like when LeBron left to go to the heat, he didn't give a care. He just was so happy to see LeBron succeeding and doing well for himself. And I'll admit, I definitely fell in that camp of I was super pissed off. I like, I mean, it's fucked up thinking back on it. And like, I'll admit I was wrong. And we can talk about that a little later when we talk about the decision. Um, But talking to my grandpa now, his biggest thing is LeBron has given back to Akron and Cleveland just more than I can think of any other athlete doing really and yes there's other athletes who've done incredible amazing things I'm not trying to downplay any of that but he really has given back so much to his community and I really just wanted to learn more about who he is how he's able to do all this stuff while also being the best basketball player on the planet Um, And I also just didn't have much sports stuff to watch. So I went on ESPN Plus, the place where uh, you go when there's not much sports stuff to watch. (laughs) Shout out ESPN Plus. (laughs) And I I happened upon this show and it really answered a lot of questions for me that I'd had about him for a long time. And it really just gives so much good context for who he is, who he surrounded himself with and like what he stands for and what they stand for. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a little context around why I came across it. Um, any, and I'll pass the mic over to you. What do you think? And yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's a great, like, it's a great little series to, I feel like learn more about LeBron and learn more about the people that, you know, the people that LeBron surrounds himself with and, you know, just like a few things I wanted to say is like, one, how impressive it is that LeBron James at age 18, like, just totally, just just a professional, you know, like yeah. a consummate professional since age 18, like, has always carried himself, I think, like, very, very well. And like, even like, even with something like the decision, that was so, you know, perhaps wasn't, you know, done as be- the best way it could have been done. Um, mm-hmm. Still, like, was something that was very, um, so- still something that, in my opinion, was, like, you know, ha- has had a lasting impact and, you know, is is memorable and, like, yeah. is, 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 you know, so defining. Um, but, but, yeah, no, this series is great, man. I mean, I had like known about Rich Paul and Maverick Carter um hadn't known about Randy Mims uh before but like but like I I had heard about like kind of LeBron's like team and mm-hmm. and the people he basically you know holds court with and like figures out you know the king's court uh I feel like that's that's what they should be called the king's court <laughs> <laughs> 
but Knights uh, of the Round Table or something, <laughs> something like that. I don't. Who am I? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I think before we kind of dive into like each person, I think it's important to talk about just a little bit about who they are and like their relationship to LeBron. Um, kind of like how integral they all were to each other's lives as LeBron was 18 and like st- taking these huge steps. Um, so, I mean, I'll start with Maverick Carter because um, it's the one that stuck in m- my mind the most for some reason, but they actually both were at St. Vincent, St. Mary's and Maverick Carter was a senior when LeBron was a freshman. Um, and they had, they had known each other before, but LeBron really looked to Maverick Carter based on what they say in this documentary as like a mentor. Um, and obviously LeBron was a much better player, um, but Maverick Carter really had a big impact on LeBron and the decisions he made as he started to become like this nationally known figure at age like 14 and 15. Um, And do you want to touch on Rich Paul and how he came into the picture? Yeah, Rich was um, (laughs) my buddy, Rich. Rich Paul Paul was a a friend of LeBron for a long time. They met because uh, Rich Paul, I believe, went to the University of Akron for some time, uh, and he he was selling jerseys or something, right? That's how they selling... initially got close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he they they were like selling jerseys, and there's like these great photos that are like shown on like some really tremendous jerseys. Let's say, like he <laughs> he had on a I believe it was a Warren Moon. Uh, jersey from like you know warren moon from like the houston oilers um (laughs) (laughs) and like like yeah man like that's just like uh just a really like dope like his origin story is really cool because he's like he's always been like a business a businessman he's always been very savvy uh had the great business sense like Mm -hmm. uh his dad like um, owned a corner a corner store in like their neighborhood, and like by the time that Rich was twelve years old, he could already run that corner store. Court corner store. So mm-hmm. I think that's like just like super cool. Like he has always been the kind of person who has been able to, you know, utilize that like kind of business sense. And like one of the like great, you know, great blessings of his life was to have met LeBron kind of as he was like rising up. You know, mm-hmm. and, be- and becoming this like very notable like star, and he just you know he's always part of his his team. But like once LeBron finally made it to the NBA and and LeBron put him on his payroll, he- it took him some time to figure out what it was that you know he could do. Uh, and so I think one of the really interesting things, like, and this kind of goes back to like LeBron being this. LeBron's an amazing human being. Mm-hmm. And, like, every time I hear him speak, like, I hope he runs for a pro- political office someday because, like... That's something every- I actually was going to bring up later. <laughs> because I hear him speak and I just feel, like, so uplifted. And not yeah. in, like, this, like, weird, like, pull yourself up by the bootstraps kind of way, but, like, in this, like, genuinely, like, believe in yourself, like, kind of way, which is, like, I think a much more healthier uh, approach to... uh you know, being driven and stuff. And mm-hmm. like Rich Paul is this kind of dude who he had all these skills and then he took like an internship with CAA, which is the most prominent, like, um, 
sports agency like in the in the country mm-hmm. and like learned the ropes you know just learned the ropes from like lebron's original agent and yeah. just like took years to like really you know perfect his craft and like work with lebron and eventually you know cre- you know that's what kind of created you know clutch sports which is like if you don't know what clutch sports <laughs> is like let me tell you what clutch sports is. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the most you know prominent um one of the most prominent like sports agencies like in the United States today. And it, 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 it was only founded eight years ago and, you know, and his, his first big, you know, client, you know, no surprise. It was LeBron James. Yeah. Uh, but he also was able to get in some other people like Eric Bledsoe and uh, Tristan Thompson and Ben Simmons. And now, <laughs> then, then finally Ben Simmons. And now uh, Anthony Davis as well. So <laughs> he's got some like really big names. And he, uh, he's someone who, can change this the landscape of the NBA with just like a few words and a tweet or like a text conversation. And sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's just amazing. Yeah. The way he's been able to really just become like the formative power in the NBA in terms of agents. Yeah. I mean, just to give you a sense of, some of the players like looking at the list right now he represents Draymond Green uh Eric Bledsoe Anthony Davis LeBron Tristan ben Thompson. Simmons Tristan <laughs> Thompson uh your boy Mitchell Robinson Oh uh, you got to let me have the Knicks plug man cuz there's actually a head a headline about that this week where Rich Paul said that we are only scratching the surface of what we see of Mitchell Robinson's potential all right that's my next plug for the episode i'm done keep going (laughs) (laughs) no but i mean i think what you said is is true though he's he's basically one of the main power brokers you know in the nba and like it's really amazing to see someone from lebron's team like this guy like there was every every reason like there was every reason for him like in his life for him to never get to that point you know like mm-hmm. there was never any indication in his life that he was going to be like this, like, you know, the most influential like agent in, in basketball, you know? Mm-hmm. And like by virtue of like hard work and, and a little bit of luck and, you know, and I mean, truly like, just like, I feel like, you know, being at the right place at the right time, but also like, being you know forward thinking and i think this is true of maverick carter and randy mims as well like they have really really just like this like this story of the four of them right this like core the the core group that you know represents you know the team lebron like i find it to be so fascinating yeah really really interesting i think the thing i took one of the bigger points i took from the series was I mean, LeBron says it in the series, he didn't want the people around him to be seen as just people on this payroll or like LeBron's, like these are LeBron's friends. Like that's not what he wanted and he knew that's not what they wanted. And he saw each of, like obviously LeBron's, what LeBron brought to the table was the most talked about, but he saw in each of them what they were capable of and gave them the tools and helped them launch whatever it was they needed to do and 
I don't know, man. It's just like totally fascinating. What What do you think of? Um, and I know we need to get to Randy in a second, and he's super important. But like, kind of going back to Maverick Carter, and and specifically wanting to talk about the decision. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about that? Because like I had never really thought about the decision other than like, all right, like LeBron just wanted like a lot of attention and like wanted to make a big drama out of it. But like the way he explained it in the doc, in the docuseries really made a lot of sense to me. Like he never got to go to college. So he never had like one of those college picking days where, you know, you get like the hats and you wear the hat and that's like the team you go to, you know? And like, Mm -hmm. like, and so like he, he basically wanted to take something like that and like, obviously make some money for the boys and girls club shout out to the boys and girls club by the way yeah um you know so like i I don't know what what do you think about that so i mean as i touched on earlier the decision i was definitely in the camp of like i was so angry and i was pissed and like a lot of that had to do with like you know I identified a lot with the Cavaliers and wanted them to succeed. Um, But having seen this, and obviously it was a long time ago, I've done my own reflection. And what you were just touching on, like, this was a, he was still young when this happened, and the people around him were still young when this happened. And it was really the first time he got to make that decision for himself, you know? Like, he was drafted by the Cavs. When he was, even before that, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He was drafted by his home team. It was expected he would stay there and bring in a championship. And he never really got much of a say in that. And he wanted to, like, celebrate what he had accomplished because he had already accomplished so much in his young life. And that was, like you were saying, that's really what, they were trying to stress about what they were trying to do and it was never coming from a selfish place it was coming from like hey like we didn't get this opportunity let's create a way in which we can have that and the other point he brings up is they raised i believe it was nine million dollars and all of the money that was made from the decision went to charity but no one talks about that and that was something that maverick carter talks about is something that really pissed him off. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I feel that like, and I mean, it really kind of goes to show you like the media like has a, you know, explicit interest in trying to, you know, create certain narratives that will pull people in um, Mm -hmm. from like an emotional standpoint. And like, the way, and I think that's why Maverick is like so, you know, is, it makes a really astute point, which is like, you know, like the idea behind it was like, was good. It was just the execution was, was the problem. And that's kind of why, like, you know, you see the maturity in those four years, like from like before he went to Miami and then after like he left, like you see the maturity of like, I feel like the LeBron we know today right Mm -hmm. (laughs) it almost felt like miami was uh four years of college for him (laughs) (laughs) i mean where he got to go to an organization that like very different from the Cavs. you know like you had someone like pat riley you had 
an organization that had made the playoffs. Uh, I think the Heat have made the playoffs like it's like a ridiculous amount of time since like Pat Riley has become president. <laughs> and you know, I, cry. <laughs> and <laughs> and had won you know a championship at that point, not too you know, not not too long ago. And so, yeah, I yeah, we think, get it, we get it. but but no but i mean i mean this in a real real way like i think like lebron and his team probably learned a lot from that time right and then also just like winning a championship right Mm -hmm. and and you see the difference in something like the decision to the i'm coming home Mm -hmm. like letter which i think is like it's masterful because it's just like the decision it is the decision 2.0 though we don't call it that way yeah um but it's more it's more master masterly masterly executed because it's not like a a video where everybody is waiting you know like at you know <laughs> in, in eight eight p m on a on a thursday it's i'm writing this letter on sports illustrated uh i'm working with lee jenkins who's like a very prominent you know sports writer and we're gonna like let like i'm gonna give this detailed message where these are my words you know, mm-hmm. you can read them, you know, you can't like twist them. And, and this is going to give me the opportunity to really like thank people in Miami, thank my this, but like, the, here's my reason for going back to playing with the Cavs because I have a strong connection with, you know, it's, it, it was really masterfully done. Yeah. Very, very master, masterfully done. And I think and he's, and he was the architect of that, you know? Yeah. And I think an interesting aspect that the series touches on is around like that first year in Miami, LeBron says, he's like, I was in such a shitty headspace. Like everyone was pissed off at me. I was the villain. I was playing like a villain because if that's what they wanted, that's what I was going to give them. And I was going to show them how good a villain I could be. And after that season, obviously we know what happens. They lost to uh, Dirk. Um, (laughs) But after that season, he had a conversation with Maverick Carter and they were, they both agreed that like, that's not who LeBron is and that's not who he should play, play like. And I think from there you kind of saw the heat take a turn. And then eventually they touch on when the I'm coming home decision was made of like LeBron really it was kind of Maverick Carter's not idea, but like he's the one who pushed LeBron in that direction in a lot of ways, according to what we see in the documentary. But oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, uh, very aware of. Uh... <laughs> I mean, hey, I was, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a good point to bring. But uh, <laughs> um. Just LeBron was like, why the fuck would I want to go home? Like, fuck them. They're burning my jerseys. The owner of the Cavaliers wrote this scathing letter in which he just shat on my life. Like, I fucking hate them. And Well, that, I, that was Maverick Carter. And it was LeBron who was like, no, like, there's this bigger connection. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I saw this, like, last night. Yeah, so I saw this a while ago. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but I think... I mean, from there, I think we've really, that's where we really saw the turn from like LeBron the athlete and what LeBron the athlete 
was going to accomplish, which obviously he accomplished a lot more in his tenure in the Cavs and later with the Lakers as is still going on. But I think we saw the turning point of him thinking of some things a little bit bigger for himself in terms of his public figure. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think we've talked a good amount about Rich Paul. We've talked about Maverick Carter. Um, the other important person in this series is Randy Mims. Um, yeah. And from what I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, he was kind of like a very deep family friend for LeBron. They've known each other for a long time. I think LeBron lived with him for a while. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting story too. Is like their the house that they lived in in uh, in Akron. Uh, I don't know who it was that kind of connected him to that house. I don't know if it, I don't think it was Randy Mims. I think it was somebody else. It was like somebody who was like like a local a local person whose name I'm forgetting right now. But basically, he had met LeBron. Mm-hmm. And by this time, LeBron, like LeBron lived in like a small ass apartment with his mom, you know, mm-hmm. for most of his like life and up to that point. And so once he started, you know, gaining, gaining notoriety for, you know, being the best basketball player in the country and just like being basically the next like great thing, the next big thing, um, he uh, some sort of friend, I forgot who their name is basically like was offered to move him into this like house right so that Mm -hmm. he could have more space and so that all of his people you know all of his like friends and stuff could hang out with because you know obviously a lot of people want to hang out with LeBron (laughs) (laughs) like like, shit I want to I would want to hang out with LeBron (laughs) if I'm you know living in Akron at that time and I just you know he just seemed he just seems like a dope ass dude but um so anyway so Randy uh, was friends with this mutual connection with LeBron, and, and he had had some uh, some issues. He had like broken up with with this um, woman, and then and he was like, "I need just a place to stay for a few months, you know, where I could stay." He's like, "Yeah, you can stay at this house in the guest room, but you have to stay in the guest room." And and he's like, "Why?" He's like, "Oh, because LeBron James is." <laughs> is <living there." laughs> and so that's how that's how they met, you know. That's that's how they met, and and Randy Mims played actually played. I believe also played at the university of Akron um, and on their basketball team and maybe like had, uh, I don't know what, I know that like Maverick Carter played, Maverick Carter played, Randy Mims played and um, Rich Paul also played. I think they all played for the university of Akron at one point and at different points actually. So that's like another interesting thing. With most of them not finishing because they went into LeBron's career and launched that part of their lives. Yeah. And, and Randy, the a really interesting thing about Randy is um, like Randy's the guy who's, you know, been with LeBron like that whole time. Like he's his right hand. He's his chief, he, his chief of staff, his right hand man, mm-hmm. you know? And whereas like Maverick and Rich have definitely had times where they were still part of the circle. They've always been part of that like circle. Mm-hmm. but when they were like especially earlier on in LeBron's career when they were kind of like figuring out you know what they needed to do to hone their skills uh in Maverick Carter's case like to be this like big 
digital media, like, you know, thought leader and, and CEO, mm-hmm. an entertainment CEO in the case of Rich Paul being this big, like, you know, sports agent, like th- there were times where they weren't necessarily at the same place that LeBron was at, but Randy has been there the whole fucking time. Yeah. So I believe he worked in the Cavs staff, like right at the start of LeBron's first tenure with the Cavs. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong, he did not go to Miami with LeBron. He stayed with the Cavaliers. Is that correct? Nah, he went to Miami with okay, LeBron. so never mind. I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he, there's actually a point in the documentary where he was like, he was like, there was always going to be that transition. Like, he was always going to go to Miami with LeBron. There, there's no, that was not, you know, any, there's no confusion there. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, he did, um, but he said like the way, that they kind of like, um, cause you know, he had, had had, he had, you know, he was LeBron's chief of staff, but he had a relationship with the whole team mm-hmm. and like the way that he like was basically forced out of that position from that first stint with the Cavs, he said like left a really bad taste in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but eventually, you know, that, you know, it's water under the bridge and like he did come to Miami and he was like, there's like he was really like there with LeBron. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like he has the most stories to tell. You know, like he'll probably write a book at yeah. some point, <laughs> and be like, "Yeah, man, like this is like not like a tell-all or anything, but like, like a, a kind of thing would be like, yeah, like he 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 really has like that insight into the context of stuff because he really has been with LeBron like the longest and most consistently. Hmm. Um. So I think that's a good transition kind of into just talking about this four group of friends and like how they've affected American culture and changed society. Um, I mean, there's so many different things to talk about. I think we'll get get into the media, the player representation. We've kind of touched on both of those, but we haven't touched yet on the I Promise School. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think we could start with media. I think we talked a good about a good amount about Rich Paul already, so I don't think we need to touch too much on that aspect of things. But I mean, I consume pretty much everything that um, Spring Hill Entertainment puts out, which is where Maverick Carter is the CEO. Um, but notable names would be The Shop, which I love watching. The Greatest, which is the documentary on HBO about Muhammad Ali. Um, obviously, there's Space Jam 2 coming out. I mean, these it's all just like amazing content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, <laughs> I mean, he's definitely, I think The Shop is a great, um, is a great show for anybody who hasn't had the opportunity to watch it because it is on HBO. So it is you know, a little bit exclusive, um, but really great show. Really, really great show. I There's a particular episode that I watched not too long ago um, where uh, I think it was, I forget, I'm blanking on her name right now, but she's the the candidate from from Georgia who lost in that election. Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams. Yeah. There's an episode with Stacey Abrams. That's like so fucking dope. Um, like really, really dope. And it just like kind of provided me with 
uh, a venue to be like, damn, like this person, like, you know, it's just a cool opportunity for people to, to talk and to be very open. And I feel like LeBron, here's the thing. LeBron is very measured. Don't mm-hmm. get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. Even when he is like giving you a lot, he's still, it's very calculated. And I don't say that in a bad way. I just mean that he is, he's, he's really fucking good at this. Um, but the great thing about the shop is like how you can like hear from people you may like these sports figures that you may see, right? Like a Megan Rapino, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where you're like, wow, this is an amazing, bigger than life sports figure. And then you see the show and you're like, wow, then you hear, you hear them speak and you're like, damn, like this person has like thoughts and has been part of all these initiatives and like these projects and all this type of stuff. And like, I think that's so cool. Yeah, the so shop, fucking cool. The shop is like every episode is just incredible conversation and important conversation. And he really does a good job in like giving voice to everyone in the room. Um, and like you said, anyone who hasn't yet seen it, they should check it out if they're able. Um, I think the last note I have on their media presence is around um, they were involved in the Netflix show Self Made. Um, who Octavia Spencer produced, and it's very much her show. Um, and LeBron James and Mag- um, Maverick Carter helped negotiate an equal contract for her with Netflix because they weren't going to pay her enough. Damn. And she came out and said afterwards, like, LeBron is an amazing person, and if it weren't for him, I don't know, like, how these contract negotiations would have gone down. And I think that goes back to your point of, like, he's really just, like, a super calculated and really well-intentioned person. Yeah, man. He, like, he is the definition of professional, you know? Like, he and his team are, like, the definitions of professionals and people who, like, like, really, like, I mean, fuck, bro. Like, imagine, man, imagine being a part of the decision-making process of LeBron's, like, of LeBron James' NBA career. <laughs> like, yeah. that, that shit is going to prepare you for a lot in life, you know? Yeah, and, so, and I th- Oh yeah, I no, no. And, yeah. To like like they started doing this when they were 18, 19, 20 years old and maybe they didn't know exactly what they would be doing, but they did a really good job of it. Oh and, man, yeah. In exactly. a lot of ways LeBron didn't really have a choice. Like he was in the spotlight and if he fucked it up, he'd just be another young athlete who like was making bad decisions, you know? Of course, of course. And like, there are so many, like, like the, how perfect LeBron James's career has been is like actually kind of ridiculous because there are so many opportunities, you know, for it to just go sideways, you know? Exactly. Like there's so many, I could see so many scenarios in which like, we don't get like this guy who's like fully like this composed, you know, and this like, this great like for the worst thing in his career to be like oh he made a decision that people didn't like (laughs) that was arguably just like better because it was in his self-interest rather than like the perceived self-interest of a city but really just the fucking self-interest of uh dan gilbert sorry this is another thing (laughs) i don't i will i can say this uh point blank i do not like dan gilbert Mm. uh period but (laughs) But I, I do like I do commend like LeBron for being such a like such a big person, like to go back 
to the Cleveland Cavaliers and try to work that relationship with with Dan Gilbert. Not even because I don't even think he really fucks with Dan, Dan Gilbert from what I've read. I think it's mostly like he just like sees the bigger picture. And he and that's like the genius of LeBron mm-hmm. in basketball but also in life is like he exactly. sees the bigger picture. And, and like as as he was that, doing that, he was yeah. starting the conversation around the I promise school which <laughs> right. Right. We could we could touch on a bit as well. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean but before we we touch on the I promise school, I do want to like talk about Space Jam too. <laughs> <laughs> Which we're both very excited for. You I'm can't so gather. excited for. <laughs> that will be like really cool whenever that oh, July 16th. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we got another year, but I expect gold and it will ex- deliver gold. <laughs> I mean, I, I truly expect a, a minimum like ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So, like, <laughs> this has got to be good, <laughs> and I have no doubt that it will be. Oh, I'm really pumped for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so kind of as I think the only phase of his career we haven't talked about is his move to the Lakers. Um, Ah, true. Which really, I mean, there's nothing but respect in that decision, I think, from everybody. And, like, he doesn't need anybody's respect. But um, he got very little blowback compared to his other decisions. Um, And kind of as he was doing that, I believe it was that same summer he announced the start of his new school. Right, Um, right, right. And I promise school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which... I've been lucky enough to see a couple times. I've never been in it, but I've kind of walked up to it and driven by it a few times. Um, And it's just a beautiful school. And it really is, it wasn't just another celebrity starting a school. Like we've been saying, this was a calculated move. He talked to the school district. He talked to a public school district. He talked to the state. He talked to the experts. He communicated what he wanted and what he thought the community needed because it's his community and he wants to better it. Truly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I mean, it's a beautiful building. What the school does is incredible. I mean, just to name a few things like a food pantry for everybody in the school for families that might not have the groceries they need. He gives bikes to the kids um and it's i mean there's so many different things this school does it's like <laughs> hard to list all of them but yeah and and what i like about it is that it's like a i think it's one of, i mean we we'll, we'll have to see what the outcomes are right like 10 years 20 years from now cuz like that really is what's going to speak for mm-hmm. itself and i think they're um here's a different side of me that's not necessarily too basketball related <laughs> but um but I'm really interested in seeing what kind of the sort of budgetary implications are of that kind of like public private uh, partnership between the LeBron James foundation and uh, the school district in which the I prime promise school like is under, because technically Mm -hmm. that isn't like a charter school. That is a public school. Yeah, It's a fully public school. And so uh, this kind of partnership is something you would maybe see like with a charter school, but not necessarily with like a, a, a 
public school, you know, or like maybe it's if unprecedented. it was, yeah, yeah. Or maybe if like it, it was a magnet school, right. But like, it's, it's not, it's just a straight up public school. So I, I, I love the, um, I love like the promise piece being like, you know, he's basically going to pay for these kids college. Like, mm-hmm. right. Is, am I, am I recalling this correctly? when he basically says that like um, the promises, like he'll pay their like tuition at Akron U. Right. Yeah. And he, I believe recently a headline, he extended it to Ohio state schools. So that's nice. I don't know if it's all (laughs) of them, um, but I believe Kent state was in the conversation as well. So it's not like he's just saying here, go to Akron U. Like he's giving these kids options. Um, And it's been around a couple of years now and they're starting to get some data in and the kids in this school, I might get fudge the numbers a little bit, but it was around 90% of the students were on track, um, which like totally outperforms any school in the area. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really cool, man. I think that's really, really cool. And I'd be interested in seeing like, what LeBron decides to do like after his, like, obviously we're talking about LeBron, but it's really his foundation that's pu- pushing that work. Mm-hmm. And, and he's, you know, the, the backer, the visionary, the thought leader um, behind that. But like, I'm again, this is something that we definitely want to see from like a long-term perspective and see what, what happens with that. But I mean, it's, it, it really is one of the best, like one of the better things that like, you know, an athlete has done. I think in the past, like 10, 20 years, like Michael Jordan never opened a fucking school. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) And neither did Kobe Bryant, rest in peace. Like, you know, it's just like, this is the kind of guy who, I mean, he really does have like a special, special connection with where he's from. Exactly. And I mean, we touched on his political ability earlier, um, but kind of, if we wanted to get into a conversation around that, I'd love to start around. So he started the school. Obviously, there's a lot of political involvement engaged in that. But I mean, during Trump's presidency, he's really, along with several athletes, but he's kind of been one of the more outspoken critics of Trump, um, most notably his shut up and dribble statements. Right. Um, right. But he's really been a voice of reason for a lot of people and a voice of um, clarity. Right. Right. And. And yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I hear you, dude. I, I completely agree with you. Like. Like he, he definitely has been one of the more outspoken like athletes and. And I, I'd just be interested to see like what he decides. Um to do like once the whole basketball thing is over because I really do see him kind of like trans- like doing a pivot to like <laughs> doing a pivot to like um something political. Yeah. And I mean like if 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 there is any lesson to be learned by from Trump and there I believe there are many um it's that celebrity maybe this isn't the best lesson but like celebrity can get <laughs> you a lot of exposure and I mean as big as Trump's name is like, and he truly is someone, you know, if you go back in movies or we like his name just keeps popping up in the wind shit. It's fucking weird. Like LeBron is, is kind of like in the same vein too, man. Like LeBron is the kind of dude who's just like, he's even more so man, even more so. 
you know? It's like, like, this dude totally dominated the, like, the imagination of so many, like, people for so long. Like, and it still is. <laughs> yeah, and still it's like, the year 2011, like, 2010, like, half of 2010 and 2011, like, people were just obsessed with him because they hated him <laughs> in, like, such a way. Like, everybody was always talking about LeBron and shit, and it's just like, damn, like, I don't know. I, I just think it's, um, I think it's really interesting. I think that he, just based on what I'm seeing from this, like, promise school, like, he's definitely someone who probably, like, believes a lot in public-private partnerships. So, like, kind of bringing together, like, the forces of industry uh, to, like, improve public systems. So, again, I'm I'm interested in seeing what what he does, but I think his he- his head and his heart are in the right place because I routinely see him talking about, like, you know, giving an opportunity for, you know, a better life to people who, you know, have not necessarily always had that, you know, communities that have not had those kinds of opportunities Mm -hmm. provided to them uh, in the past. So, like, it'd be really interesting to see what happens with LeBron, you know, if if we see, you know, LeBron run for president someday. (laughs) (laughs) He's been asked that before, too. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely Um, has my vote, I'll tell you that much. I mean... (laughs) I mean, a little more, like, uh, thinking a little smaller, like even governor of Ohio or governor of California, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what if we saw a Democratic governor of Ohio because of LeBron James? (laughs) Just a thought. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I think think he really loves – Ohio, I think he really loves Akron, but if this move to LA has, I think he has moved on. I think not yeah. in the sense that he's not going to stop like giving to Akron. Like I don't think that's ever going to stop. I think that he, like he has done enough to where it's like, okay, like I can just live wherever I want. Like I can just like do, you know what I mean? My kids, his yeah. kids are growing older, so like now, and then there's also that aspect of like fucking brawny you know like yeah. <laughs> you know brawny has his whole career ahead of him and so like that's you know i'm sure he's gonna play a big role in that and mm-hmm. you know maybe he doesn't go into politics which like i totally understand why he wouldn't want to do that yeah i mean he's had enough of a life in the public eye and will yeah. always <laughs> and will always so like i don't know i think i think you know whatever he decides to do after this and i still think he has you know at least four years left in the tank um maybe more who knows yeah i mean Um, we're talking about him like he's not relevant but we were just saying that he's in the mvp conversation like he's top two yeah he's top two he's like he's either he's either the mvp this year or he's like the runner-up like at 36 years old you know like that's not (laughs) that's no joke you know he's got no regard for human life my friend (laughs) (laughs) oh man 35 Um, i should say he is 36 35 yes Mm -hmm. he he will be though um (laughs) especially with who knows when basketball pick up again um (laughs) yeah right i think that's a good place i don't know if you've got any last words to add on the subject but i think that's a good place for us to kind of wrap up the segment and 
get any last thoughts in there and touch on what we're going to talk about next week. Yeah. So kind of closing thoughts, um, definitely recommend the documentary to anybody who, uh, you know, has access to ESPN plus or doesn't mind pirating or whatever. Um, (laughs) We gave a lot of spoilers, but you know, it's a documentary. You're not really spoiling anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of little things there that, you know, it's just the, the images, man, just the, the, the videos that they have, like all of that kind of like media that they share. Um, and I mean, just the thing when you get four close friends coming together and just like shooting the shit and talking about, you know, things that they've gone through in the past. So highly recommend that highly, highly just like, I don't know. There's, I, I think LeBron deserves more praise, you know, like he, he really is an amazing role model, you know, and honestly didn't have to do that. Like LeBron could just be like Michael Jordan, you know, like LeBron could just like make a ton, a fuck ton of money. And he, he has, (laughs) you know, and like, just like be quiet and not like speak up and, and just like, you know, be this like mythical being in our minds who we don't know, you know, anything we have to wait 20 years for a documentary to come out yeah. to learn anything about him really. And, and he's like this, like, he's a guy who's like very, you know, there's all this media on him. There's all this information, all these initiatives. There's a lot you can learn from him, like as a role model and, and as a person and as a basketball player. And like, there's just a lot to appreciate there, man. And so I don't know, like, He's he's pretty great, uh, and 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 one thing, one more thing I wanted to say. Um, I I just think that this kind of kind of like final, you know, chapter in his career because he has said he's gonna, you know, retire with the Lakers. Um, like this is an exciting chapter to you know, like he's not gonna be like <laughs> it's so exciting, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> he's not gonna like. Just be like, oh, and and LeBron like played with the Wizards, you know, <laughs> like yeah. you know, like and like he was forty, but he scored fifty once. You know, it's like not like that. It's gonna be like, no, he's competing for fucking championships, my dude. Like, yeah. so he he is still a threat to win a championship. You know, he's still relevant from a basketball sense. And I exactly. Think, and I think you know, like I don't know. I think Anthony Davis is the best player he's ever played with. Like he, yeah. this, this and is, the best compliment, and we've talked about this, but yeah, yeah, but like I'm gonna say it again, like, <laughs> like I hope the NBA season does come back because I would love for the Lakers to win this year. Um, yes, obviously, if they play the Heat, I'm rooting for the Heat 100 percent of the time. They're not gonna play the Heat, Doug. But they're not gonna <laughs> play the Heat, <laughs> especially with Tyler Hero uh, <laughs> acting fool. But um, but no, but but you know what I mean. Like I think it would be really special if the NBA did come back and LeBron was able to win one. I, I wouldn't count it as anything less in his career, honestly. Oh, of course. Just because, like, this is like such a. I don't know. I, I I'm really curious to see what happens, and I'm really curious to see what LeBron does. You know, I really I'm, I'm rooting for him. You know, I'm rooting for him. I'm still rooting for him, even though like, you know, he hasn't played on my favorite team for many years. And I don't really <laughs> like to 
I don't root for other teams. I appreciate greatness. I never thought I'd be rooting for the Lakers in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm, and you know, but like as far as Western teams go, like I'll definitely be rooting for the Lakers to make it to the finals if the if the playoffs come back because I think he just man, like he was he's having such a good great season. Like it mm-hmm. really looked like it was, and then plus the whole thing with Kobe too, like. You know, like that's just like, oh man, yeah, you know? it was there was just so much happening. <laughs> oh my goodness, it was it's it was a great season, it was a great season, yeah. really like hallmark season for the NBA. And the craziest it, thing, yeah. I don't want to get too deep into the Kobe hole, um, not that it's a hole, but um, just the fact that like Kobe was at the Lakers game in which LeBron passed him on the all-time scoring list that night. That's why they were in LA and that's why they needed to fly back. And like, I can't imagine how that, not that in any way it's LeBron's fault, but like you have to, that has to weigh on you a bit. Like this huge milestone happened and he came to see it. And then now he was flying out and this happened, you know? I know, man. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy because, like, you know, obviously the NBA has some marquee franchises, you know? Like, no matter how you cut it, obviously there are great teams that have moments, but, like, Lakers and Celtics, like, are just these marquee franchises that they hold a lot of history. There's a lot of weight to these, like, teams. Mm-hmm. And when a prominent player like... Kobe Bryant, you know, passes away the way he did. Someone who is a lifetime Laker, like this affects the whole NBA community. And Mm -hmm. for that to happen in conjunction with, you know, LeBron passing him, which is a huge feat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And and Kobe was so happy for him, you know, like I feel like contrary to, I think a lot of, like Kobe has been so supportive of LeBron. Yeah. You know, and like they're, they're very close, man. Like, I don't know. It's a sad chapter. And I think that I, I know that, you know, like, obviously, like, there's no, you know, all these, like, the the NBA is, is, is not, um, it's not like wrestling or anything like that. But, but nothing would fill my heart up with more joy other than seeing the heat win. Um, <laughs> the second thing that would, would, would fill my heart up with most joy. Is seeing LeBron and Anthony Davis win that championship. Yeah, I totally agree, man. Um, and I think, I mean, speaking on Kobe, I mean, there's a lot to talk about him in this topic, but something in his last years that he became super passionate about and advocating about was the WNBA and women in basketball. Um, and that's actually what we're going to be talking about next week. That's um, right. I'm, I'm super excited for that conversation. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's something that isn't talked enough about in the basketball conversations you hear about in podcasts. So I think it'll be a very, I'm, I'm excited to learn a lot and I'm excited to talk about it with you. <laughs> yeah, no, same. I'm, I'm very excited to talk about, you know, like the WNBA and, and to really kind of 
even more broadly, just talk about women in basketball, um, like, and how significant, you know, these figures are that we don't really, you know, that I don't think get the due, like, credit that they deserve. So, exactly. So, yeah. Um, so, I'm excited for that episode as well. Yeah. So, uh, quick plug if you haven't followed us on Instagram, you can find us at the bounce back underscore podcast, all lowercase. Um, show your support, anything. We're trying to get more listeners. We love and care for everyone who's listened so far, and we're excited to keep this podcast going and growing. So hit that yeah. subscribe button. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds All good. Right.